Today on Recur Now, we revisit the ever-present power of customer success. I also break down Andrew Grove's high output management, so you get the good lessons without even picking up a copy. From ProfitWell's Boston HQ, it is Wednesday, September 25th. I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. Up first, your top subscription news. Arxer forms a global strategic partnership with Sophos to provide organizations with a first and last line of defense against ransomware. BlueJeans Video Conferencing has been named the winner of a Silver Stevie Award in the Customer Service Team of the Year, Computer Services and Software category in the 16th Annual International Business Awards. It's recognized for quick and efficient service, high NPS, and CSAT scores, plus the ability to establish long-distance conversations with teams. Extended info on these headlines can be found in your subscriber newsletter, but if you're not signed up, head to recurnow.com to get on the list. And now your extended headlines with Abby. Today, the gaming wars continue with the launch of Google Play Pass. Plus, the Litmus team tells us what it takes to create the ultimate email marketing experience. The gaming games continue. Just days after the launch of Apple Arcade, Google predictably drops its own subscription game service. Google Play Pass will give Android users access to more than 350 apps and games, free of ads, in-app purchases, and upfront payments, which if I were a gamer myself, I'd be all about. It'll run you $4.99 per month, the same as Apple Arcade, although the two services are far from identical. Apple Arcade offers a catalog of over 100 exclusive games, while Google Play Pass will have have apps and games that are already available on the Play service. Both companies said new additions will be made to the services each month. Now, ProfitWell pricing strategist Devin Batia and I talk game time. The gamer wars continue to heat up. Apple Arcade, Google Play Pass. I mean, you would imagine that whoever is managing the Apple Arcade side probably has a best friend who's managing the Google Play Pass side. Seems as so. Right? I mean, Unbelievable the way that this is all working together. So we see $4.99 a month. However, big difference here, Apple going with one month free trial. Google up until October 10th or so, you get $1.99 a month. So a little bit more on that adoption play. Mm -hmm. Both obviously are not troubling for cash, but I thought it's a little differentiator there. What do you think? Which one would you prefer between that free trial for a month and also just paying less for the year? You know, as someone who's really not a gamer myself, I'd have to go with the free trial. I mean, I don't know about you, Dev. That's I guess that's kind of biased, but I, I'm not going to start paying for games when I really initially don't play them. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I think the biggest thing here is like they know if you are an Apple user, you really don't have a chance. So it feels nice to get that one month free trial. Very big brand loyalty here. Yeah, if you're a Google user, same thing. Like at least you can say, hey, I am only paying $1.99 a month. Ha ha ha. And you know that there are people on the interwebs that will do such a thing. True. And maybe they'll convert some people like me. Who knows? Yeah, no, that's fair. I do think the biggest differentiator that I see here, it's going to come down to the same thing when we think even about the streaming wars from a visual standpoint with Netflix and Hulu. It comes down to content. And right now, what I'm seeing is Google Play has 350 plus games, but they're also including apps apps such as uh you know the AccuWeather some other uh some other ones as well so like that really could be the biggest differentiator where if you know hey, this app is normally five bucks. It provides some daily utility to me. That could be a reason why I'd want to go into it. But ultimately, as this is kind of that gaming platform, you need to continue to have great games out there and you want to get those people excited to play it. So what does this mean for something like GameStop? 
couple of days ago with the recur now we talked about GameStop and of course they've got new leadership coming in there ultimately I still think this spell is disaster for them I don't really know what they can do unless they also partner up with Apple Arcade or Google Play Pass I mean if people are going to be continuing to get console quality games through their phones which is obviously the end goal for these two I just don't understand how you're going to be able to have a retail store that's going to sell individual discs or you know even any of the offers they give I just ultimately think this is almost confirmation in my mind of the the end of the the road for GameStop. All the best in their endeavors with their new leadership team again. But yeah, this is gonna be really tough. I think once again, Apple and Google, they're just doing the right thing in terms of continuing to provide that experience to the consumers. Thanks for the insight as always, Dev. And we're eyeing a blog post by the Litmus team, breaking down the difference between accessibility and inclusion, what it takes to create more inclusive email marketing experiences. This is something our ProfitWell team is constantly training to improve. And this is a piece that extends to anyone in your organization that touches email, which essentially should be everyone at some point. Don't stop at the marketing team. Expand the writing reach to everyone in your operation, because we can attest content marketing is here to stay. Now, Abby goes deep on the ever-present powers of customer success with user pilots Azar Ali Shah. Customer success is a topic that also isn't going anywhere. We've studied the data in our episode of the ProfitWell Report highlighting customer success as reducing churn and increasing expansion revenue. We touched on it in yesterday's show as Zora spoke with Krista Anderson-Copperman, Chief Customer Officer at Okta, and we are not stopping anytime soon. Today, we're talking to Azar Ali Shad of UserPilot Product Experience Software, who recently released a post on six lesser-known customer success practices to reduce churn and improve retention. Let's hear it from Azar. The reason why we went with these six best practices were there because I was doing every month a customer success analysis and understanding how my customers were using a user pilot and uh, what were the risks regarding that and how many of them were engaged and were how many of them were really interested in coming back to the app and trying our app again and then trying A-B testing as well. And so I, re- I realized a lot of customers were not using user pilot and that's that's how I reactivated them. And I realized that there are a couple of blogs out there which are not doing enough understanding related to customer success. And I found somebody who has been in customer success for a while. And that's how we we connected our thoughts together and came up with a blog which that you can use directly as, as actionable tips that you can use in your current processes to improve customer best practices. And as Azar points out, too many blogs are lacking in actionable advice across the board. So I want to know how Azar and the user pilot team fill this gap. I think the one thing that other blogs lack is that the product engagement metrics, which basically means that how many times a user, a paid user, is actually really activated. So for example, in our app, there are like six to seven customers that I found who have actually paid us, but they never did the key activation moment, which was installing user pilot script. And that specifically product qualified lead or user activation metric we said in our language, we found out that it was missing. And this is something that other customer success best practices don't talk about. They, they really talk about processes, but they don't talk about what you can do in SaaS to actually really reactivate the, those non-engaged users to actually turn them into a good customer. And what happened was that I reached out to one of our customers who was, wasn't installing the app for like three months. And then after reaching out to him, he became one of the most loyal customer because he was paying for it. And he found out a goodwill from our side that we wanted to reach out to him and activate him. He became a biggest fan of ours because he found out that, you know, 
he could use uh, user pilot and we were not just getting money out of him rather we were wanted him to get value out of us and that's it for your subscription news for September 25th. We'll have more recurring revenue news for you here tomorrow. And now a look into Name Your Price. Name Your Price is a game in which players are prompted with questions of monetary value. I'm going to go half a million. $100. <laughs> 300 bucks a month. 100000 $5,000. <laughs> I'm saying 500 k Tomorrow, we're asking our team. All right. How much would I have to pay you to give up all your social media accounts? Find this and more like it on RecurNow.com. As a modern day manager, you can't just go by one script and expect your team to work at their fullest potential. The job is flexible and dynamic and any help you can get figuring out what your roles are and when to play each one should be taken advantage of. On today's ProfitWell Book Club, I dive deep into high output management written by Andrew Grove, a Hungarian born American businessman, engineer, author, and a pioneer who claimed being a manager is a lot like being a sports coach. You need to gather information on the situation at hand, put the players where they need to be, and motivate them to push harder than the competition. High output management at its core reinforces the idea that modern managers need to roll with the punches in an ever-changing working world. In it, Grove drives home four key points. Point number one. Management requires a thorough understanding of the production process. In any production, there are several moving parts that need to work together in perfect rhythm to achieve results. As a manager, your job is to identify bottlenecks in the process and take the appropriate action that keeps things moving. Point number two. Collecting and sharing information is crucial for management and employees to make educated decisions. If your work meetings seem like a waste of time, we've all been there, you're probably doing them wrong. As with every relationship, communication is key. And when your job is to gather information and make decisions, meetings are a crucial part of the puzzle. Point number three. Most underperformance can be attributed to lack of motivation, which falls on the manager. Money might be why you show up, but it shouldn't be the end-all be-all. Part of being a manager is motivating your team to achieve more than they thought possible. This can mean leading by example, giving constructive feedback, or encouraging a little friendly competition. Point number four. There's no perfect management style that works under all conditions, but there is a way to figure out which approach is right for the situation. A top-down approach to management may have worked back in the day, but as our attitudes towards success have changed, so has management. By taking into account each individual's task-relevant maturity, their competence for a particular job, a manager can adjust on the fly and be what that person needs to do their best. So, do you need to read high-output management? High-output management is abundant with advice and observations and a good read to have on hand. This is one I've read over and over again, whether it be in full or sections at a time. If you feel like you're set with the brief points we went over, skip ahead, but I'd listen on for the extended takeaways. And if you're still intrigued after that, it is worth the buy. We digested high output management from cover to cover so you don't have to. Remember, we have four main points here, so let's dig a bit deeper into each one and see what we can unpack from Grove's take. Point number one. Management requires a thorough understanding of the production process. Grove says managing a production process is a lot like serving breakfast. Okay, stay with me on this one. Let's say your job is to deliver toast, coffee, and a boiled egg to a customer. The boiled egg has the longest prep time that should be considered when deciding the order of operations. Toast and coffee both have fairly high profit margins, but when you factor in extras like butter, jam, cream, and sugar, the cost begins to add up. Do you bring the accoutrement with every order or just by request? 
For your customers, does it make more sense to have imported small batch coffee where you charge by the glass or endless refills of something less pricey? Depending on sales, does it make more sense to invest in a second toaster or a second coffee maker? All the while, you need to make sure that any issues with the plate are caught before going out to the table where a little problem can turn into a big costly one. Point number two. Collecting and sharing information is crucial for management and employees to make educated decisions. Never forget that management is a team effort. When one of you fails, you all fail in a way. That is why two-way communication is crucial for both you and those you manage to succeed. Meetings are how management communicates with staff. It's true that for most managers, meetings are the bane of their existence, but without them, how would you gather information, communicate expectations, and serve as an example to the team? Not every meeting needs to be in the boardroom with a PowerPoint and handouts. Something as simple as casual conversation or a walk to get coffee can have further reaching results than a pre-planned meeting. Meetings that provide staff with feedback are another important managerial tool. This way, you make sure you and your team are on the same page. You determine their individual strengths and weaknesses, and you motivate them to get more done. Point number three. Most underperformance can be attributed to lack of motivation, which ultimately falls on the manager. When you have an underperforming employee, you must ask yourself, are they not up to the task or are they just not putting in 100% effort? When determining the root cause, ask yourself the question, could they do the job if they're like dependent on it? And you won't need to put on a battle royale in order to figure it out. Most of the time, your team just needs some extra motivation. While money is the end goal for any job, it's not the only motivator that works. For competence-driven employees, showing them areas where they can expand their knowledge might be motivation enough. For others, showing an interest in their personal growth can garner loyalty. Sometimes a little good-natured competition is the push your team needs. And above all, lead by example. If your employees see you putting in the time, hours, and the help where you can, they will follow suit. Point number four. There's no perfect management style that works under all conditions, but there is a way to figure out which approach is right for the situation. Nothing in life is simple, management included. Barking out orders may have worked in a turn-of-the-century factory, not so much in 2019. But when you have a hundred places to be and a thousand things to do, hand-holding isn't a much better option. Instead, take your time and learn your employees' strengths and weaknesses. Put them in a position to succeed and gently nudge them in the right direction. Task Relevant Maturity, or TRM, is a great way to quantify the skill set each individual on your team possesses. Karen from HR may be a wizard at paperwork, managing schedules, and remembering birthdays, but she might not have the stoicism necessary to give impartial performance reviews. You know that you don't need to look over her shoulder when she plans the office holiday party, but it might help if you're in the room for quarterly evaluations. By knowing when to ease up and when to buckle down, you can manage far more effectively. Again, high output management is abundant with advice and observations and a good read to have on hand. This is one I've read over and over again, whether it be in full or sections at a time. All in all, it is worth the buy for anyone in a managerial position or those looking to get to that level. Hang out with us next week. And if you have a book you want us to break down, send it over to abby at recurnow.com or tag us on social with hashtag recurnow and we will get it on the list. So there you have it, your September 25th episode of Recur Now. Check back here tomorrow where we break it on down again. And if you know anyone who'd want on the list to receiving daily episodes, send them to recurnow.com. 